0: All right, what's up, everybody? This is your man Ernest, aka Mr. No Excuses, with another episode of the Hidden Truths podcast. Uh, today with us we have the lovely Miss Janita. Say what's up, baby.
1: What's up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have the also uh, always intellectual Mrs. Uh, Rika. Say what's up.
2: What's up? All
0: right, all right. So, topic for today, uh, very timely topic. Uh, probably always timely, is the definition of racism. Um, probably a uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to talk about, obviously, with everything that's going on in the world right now, but it's always been an underlying current um, throughout history. Uh, it's one of those topics that seems to get overlooked and kind of danced around, but everybody knows that it exists. So it's about time we have an open and honest dialogue about what racism really is and one of the things that kind of spurred me into this conversation is I always hear people talk about their uh, what they consider to be racism and it seems like they get racism confused with acts of prejudice i.e. the name calling or trash talking or uh, things that are very um, uh Not really racism, but you know, it's more so just surface level racism. Um, So I think it's about time that we really opened up about what this thing racism really means. So I'll I'll open it up to you all to kind of weigh in your thoughts on it.
3: Okay. So do you want to first define what racism is?
0: Yeah, I want to hear what your definition of racism is. What it means for you.
3: Okay, racism is literally the opposite of justice. In pretty much injustice to all people um, of color and is systematic um, it is literally a, a system of white people using their dominance their force and their group to um, keep people of color um, beneath them that's that's racism and they use um nine areas of activity uh, activity to make sure that that racism um persists and exists
0: so let me ask you this question um because this has always come up too and you hear it all the time well black people can be racist too (laughs) but what about reverse racism what are your thoughts on that yeah, and do you think that racism is exclusive to white people, or you know any certain race?
3: There is no coalition, power, or grouping of people of color to systematically hold down white people. There is no such thing as reverse racism. Um, from the conception in history of white people, they have always had um, a very behind-the-door handshake. Type of way of making sure that even if it is covert, that they they dominate and control people.
0: So, um, so from your vantage point, because I know me and you have talked up about this tons and tons of times, Um, you know, and I I tend to agree with that. Um, And you'll hear a lot of Black people say, you know, Black people are, you know, there's Black people that are racist as well. But again, that goes back to the definition of racism, when you look up the, the true, def, well, not the true definition, but right. a definition, right. a definition of racism, uh, it talks about discrimination, uh, prejudice and, and things along those lines. And I think when black people talk about racism, they're talking about the name calling. They're talking right. about, okay, I, you call the white person a cracker. You don't uh, like to associate with white people or anything yeah. like that. Um, that's not racism. No, that's, that's prejudice.
1: Yeah, that's prejudice. That, that's
0: prejudice, which is can be a, a subtle form of racism, but that's not in and of itself racism. Racism, in its true construct, is like you said, it's a system of oppression that acts to keep a certain people down because of their skin color. So when you look at that, a system, a system requires power to be held and maintained in place. And that's really what we're dealing with when we're talking about racism. We're not talking about the pity pat name calling us some of the uh, simplistic forms that you see, it. we're talking about a, a construct of, of power that has uh, lasted, you know, generations and generations and continues to last um, covertly and overtly. So that, that's really what we're dealing with here. Um, Rika. what's your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the biggest difference or distinction with racism is that it's systematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, as a people in the U.S., we don't have structures um, or coalitions in place to enforce um, racist practices. When you think about racism, it's like somebody being denied opportunities um, through an employer because of the color of their skin
1: mm-hmm.
2: um again that's systematic it gives you higher and fire and power that we typically um as people of color don't hold right. so when you say like black people can be racist no we can be prejudiced we can be biased um but we don't have the the power um or the systems and structures in place to be racist
0: right right i, I completely agree um and that's when you when you have conversations with people they when you when you present this type of definition of racism, because you you won't find this definition in, in Webster's dictionary or yeah. in a textbook. You know, they'll talk about slavery. They'll talk about the Jim Crow era, maybe. Um, but when you look at things that go on in today's society, you know, a lot of people still hold the mindset that racism doesn't exist because we're no longer being lynched. We're no longer living in a slavery era. But when you look at the times that we're living in, um, lynchings do still occur mm-hmm. shoot murders do still occur of black people for uh, for no reason and there is typically when the roles are reversed when um, you know when there's a, a, a white person that may be, or you know of any other race that may be unjustly killed or murdered or whatever the case may be uh, the difference is justice typically is served sure. in those instances
1: yeah.
0: when it's us as the victim we are criminalized. You know, just look at all the instances, the Mike Brown case, Trey Trayvon case, you know, the, the, the names go on and on and on, unfortunately. But in every instance, they try to criminalize the individual who is, in essence, the victim. And that is the prime definition of racism. Even now, when you look at, um, you compare the whole Bill Cosby issue with the whole Kavanaugh issue, um, they're not talking about uh, they're not talking about, uh, oh, Kavanaugh is a uh, a rapist or Kavanaugh should serve time or anything like that. Worst case scenario, they're talking about he may lose his position as judge. They're not talking about real consequences for his actions. And it's the, it's the same premise. There's allegations that haven't been proven, but in one instance, you have a man who serves time for it. In another instance, you have a man who may just get a slap on the wrist. And lose his job. Right. And, worst case scenario. And,
3: and that's essentially what racism is about. Again, it's about injustice, but we could cover all nine areas of activity as far as what it when it comes to people on a day-to-day basis. You said
0: nine areas of activity? Activity. I'm what talking about
3: uh, Nellie's Fuller's book, where he talks about the compensatory um, code. And that's what colored people lack is a code. Um No, White people are so on code that they don't even have to talk about it because it's literally from the time they're born and go through the system, regardless of whatever mistakes they make and all this and that, they do not face those consequences. However, for us, we, we are raised just to survive. We are not raised to be strategic. And that's their... Um, their strong point is they are very strategic. They have studied us as a a people and actually socially engineered us in such a way that we can't even individually think because we're so distracted by the everyday nuances of just, again, surviving. So, again, the nine areas of activity are I'm reading this straight from his book. it's, It's a lot of them, but it's economics, education, entertainment, Labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war, war. So now,
0: hold on. Let me let me pause you for a quick second. Okay. So, for the people who don't know who Neely Fuller is, can you can you talk about who Neely Fuller is and then get back to your Absolutely.
3: So, Neely Fuller is an author um, who was born in 1929 at the height of the Great Depression. He served two branches in the army, um, the armed forces, and in accordance to his book is all about language because if you ever sit down and you talk to a white person about racism, what you're going to get is wordplay. And he pretty much breaks down language and how, what words to use so that you can counteract in a conversation and on a daily basis.
0: Cold words, yeah.
3: Cold words. And that's the thing. We, as a people, we get so caught up in our emotions that we don't know how to intellectualize And speak and get our point across without wanting to throw a chair and butt somebody across the head. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much he has two books. One is the compensatory code. So it's pretty much law of of attraction or what you get, what you give is what you get. That's compensatory. And then the other one is, like I said, the, the book where he talks about, he breaks down words and how to use them.
0: And what's that book called? In case some people might
3: want to get it. One is The Logic of Compensatory Counter uh, Racist Logic, and the other is The Law of Compensatory Counter Racist uh, Counter War. So one is about the code, and the other one is about how to use the word.
0: Okay. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so for all those listeners, that's that's Neely Fuller. N e e l y Fuller. F u l l e r. He also has a lot of documentaries on YouTube that you can watch as well. Right. Um. So You'll he-
3: never. Uh, it's hard to know what he looks like. He's a very because right. he's um, like private purse and yeah. person and stuff. But if you go on YouTube, like you said, you will find yeah, um,
0: uh,
3: videos where they put visuals to his words right, right, right. and it, it really helps to not only understand it better but actually start to in your head be more strategic with how you deal with talking to people about racism because again we we get so wrapped up in the emotion mm-hmm. of it. we don't we never we don't get think. to we we're so uh what's the word I'm looking for physical not even physical just um Reactive. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to counteract. We're just reactive people. Right. So what you have is people, you go out and you're doing a protest. For what? For what? Because really we think that if we can all get together, we can make this happen. We have so many nuances and difference of opinions that is unrealistic. You have to start individually and within your home. That's the only way that we as a people can make a change. Because you are going across home from home and just merely having the the past and present issues that we deal with. We we still dealing with past issues where we're talking about abuse and all the things. You're talking about issues with self at this point, I- right? Issues with self. Right. Then you gotta go out and deal with issues of the world. You gotta come back and bring that all in the house mm-hmm. and talk about it. And really we don't even discuss that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So we, we we are dealing with so many caveats of life that we can't really even sit down and discuss racism because you have your own self to fix before
2: you can ever fix the racist system. And see, excuse me, I think it's a, I think we look at it as an either or, like either we tackle issues of racism or we fix ourselves when it can be a both and. Um, to your point, like the reason why protests—we are reactive people, um, and that's by design. We haven't been trained um, to organize to march, if you, or excuse me, we've only been trained to organize to march. If you think about what's taught in classrooms and public education, which the majority of people of color are public edu- are victims of the public education system. Um, We learn about the civil rights movement, the bus boycotts. They don't talk about how at the time of his assassination, Martin Luther King was becoming more militarized and he was shying away from that peaceful protest because they want us to be a peaceful and complacent people and scream until we're blue in the face, march and chant. And then Without going. getting any results They don't teach about the Black Panther Party Who had a strategic um, plan with 10 clear ask, um the, the 10 point program Which is what they were striving for um, When we're marching and we're protesting We're screaming no justice no peace Nobody has defined what does justice look like And who are we demanding justice from um, And that's one of the reasons Why you can yell until you're blue in the face But you're asking for a broad ambiguous thing we, we don't have any specific demands. So anytime someone is, is murdered or killed by the police, we're screaming no justice, no peace. We still haven't gotten justice. We've still been a relatively peaceful people, um, except for the one-off instances where there are um, disruptive rioting, um, as they would call it. But we don't have specific asks, nor do we have targets. Like, you're asking for what and from who. And I think once we come together as a people and get that clear— Um, we'll have a little bit more of a progressive stance.
0: And you you hit on a lot of points that kind of trigger something with me. In terms of uh, demanding justice, demanding peace, um, in order for that to even work, you have to have power behind those demands. If there's no power, if there's no, especially in the world that we live in, if there's no uh, economy behind those demands, if there's no political basis behind those demands, then they're just blank. Okay, you're going to demand justice and demand peace, but what are you going to do if I don't give you that? Right. And you should you never think? have to demand justice and peace. That, those those should be automatics. And when it doesn't happen, what are you going to do about it? And if the person that you're making those demands from, if they don't give you that, then what are you going to do? Right. And we we don't have a, well, well, then what? We have the phase where we make the... Protest. yeah, yeah. It's cyclical. You know, we—it's like the Walking Dead. I always compare it to the Walking Dead. You know, for those who watch the show, you know, it's, you know, you know what the concept of the show is. But anytime you have all these zombies, you know, walking around aimlessly, and then they hear a sound, a gunshot, all of them go running towards that sound.
3: Well, here's the thing: you cannot ask for justice and peace from a people that don't have that—that that don't
0: possess. Yeah, from a non-peaceful people. You,
3: you're asking peace from people who their oh, no. whole history is war mm-hmm. you're asking for fairness and from people who are never gonna give you that because they they derive off of being unfair is ingrained in them so it's not that we should be asking for it, it's that we should be providing it for ourselves
0: mm-hmm. and in order to do that going back to your point Rika uh, we have to be organized and that's what we as a people lack is organization we don't have a blueprint well actually we do have them but we just don't follow them
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we don't follow blueprints we don't follow codes to get the things that or to acquire the things that we deserve i mean and things that we should have i mean you look at black wall street for example they had a code they had their own uh businesses they provided their own they trusted each other uh, you look at um, there's a book called uh, Powernomics by uh, Claude, Claude Anderson, Anderson. and uh, he talks about building a basis for an economy and building your own political structure and building that within the black community. Because only until you have that will anybody of any race or any creed show you any kind of respect. And when you have it amongst yourselves, you don't need to go out and and ask ask for it and demand for it. But see, that's what we've always been taught is we have to raise a hand and ask the teacher for permission. We have to ask this person for permission. We have to ask a boss for time off. We have to ask for everything that we were looking for. We have to ask for spiritual guidance from a preacher. Everything that we do in our daily lives, it requires asking someone else. So when you become ingrained with that uh, mentality of Mother May I, and at somebody
3: else's mercy right. always.
0: Especially when As a society in general uh, We're taught that uh, White White culture is the creme de la creme That's the higher power So in essence we're always looking for them For justification for what we do, doing We have to get back to looking within ourselves For what we're doing In order to, before we can even organize As a people Like you said, Nathan, we have to organize within ourselves got to get self-right first.
2: So what does that excuse me, entail to you? Because I think that one of the things that is, is critical, and people are always like, oh, don't talk about slavery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I always find it funny that it's like, never forget the Holocaust, never forget 9-11. Right. But hey, slavery was so long ago. Um, I think that of course that should be taught to every person of color um, is the psychological effects of slavery, because a lot of what you're saying is rooted in the design and makeup of the the slave system um, even the, the separation of um, people of color based on fair skin or your lighter skin, you you get a little bit more privileges you can be in the house um you get to wash master's feet as opposed to plowing his field yeah,
0: you get that butter biscuit
2: yeah and so you now have a people who like have ingrained uh self-esteem issues in terms of colorism um when you think about with the like with slavery did to the black family structure. And so now you have a people um, where the woman is is ingrained and that's where the the black woman is essentially, doesn't need quote unquote the black man Mm -hmm. Um, and vice versa the black man was like beaten into submission in front of his children in front of his offspring and so we don't talk enough about the psychology and psychological effects of slavery and when you talk about like things that happen in the home um, that we like to just kind of scrub or shove under the rug that even goes back to slavery Mm -hmm. there was no space for complaint right it was not uncommon for, like, rape and, and molestation and things of that nature to take place. And there was no one to complain to. And so you have those ingrained traumas. Um, and then we're reared in trauma. And it just perpetuated cycles um, that we're still combating today that disrupt what you're saying of, like, get self-straight. You have black people who are ashamed to—I'm a advocate for black people go to therapy. Mm, um, absolutely. And, like, get this together because— there are neighborhoods, communities of color in the United States that, like, have equal trauma to, like, war zones in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a veteran comes back, <clears throat> excuse me, into the U.S. from a war zone in Afghanistan, they will be eligible. Like, they're, they're tested and they're, they're eligible and diagnosed with PTSD and um, able to receive compensation. You have children being reared in trauma. Um, they're the social and economic conditions under which the majority of people living in poverty, who are people of color, are reared, would qualifies for PTSD. And you have just a bunch of untreated trauma happening. And then it's like, oh, well, fix yourselves. Pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. How? Right. right. So
3: um, it is an author. Her name is Joy the guy. The guy. Yeah, the Deg- degree. Deg- Deg- Gern- Deg- She uh, touches on the uh, post-traumatic slave disorder. Right. And pretty much, as you said, uh, you know, is reared. You're brought into those environments. However, again, you're not going to get that acknowledgement from the people who are oppressing you. Um, Hurt people hurt people. So that's why we can't come up as a people because, again, we don't get that help that we need. We, we are people of, again, survival. Mm-hmm. So we're more in, in tune with surviving than thriving.
0: And I had a, um, I, I, I've told y'all before, I've been very open. I've been to therapy and, you know, I still go from time to time. And after going, I was a huge advocate for that. But um, it was interesting when I was telling uh, certain family members about it. Um, I was like, okay, it's good that you're going. But I would reverse the question, well, why don't you go? No, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not, I, ain't, I ain't going to there. There's nothing wrong with me. You you can go if you want to, but but I'm not. And it's that um that generational uh, curse or or pattern of behavior of we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about that because we had to, you know, be in essence be the super Negro. Like mm-hmm. you said, Rika, we we didn't have a place or a time to to mourn or a time to. Uh, Talk about issues that were going on and that became the norm is that you don't talk about issues you hold them within Mm -hmm. so even With trying to talk about and address racism and a plan for attacking that well, there's so many things internally to us that We're not even addressing before we can and one of the biggest things is trust There's a huge lack of trust in the black community Um, one of the reasons because there's a lack of understanding you know we don't we don't trust what we don't understand and that distrust turns to hate and animosity Um, going back to black Wall Street as an example trust was one of the foundations of why that movement or why the area was uh, why it flourished so much because we had a community. community yeah In today's times we really don't have black communities Mm -hmm. we We have have we have neighborhoods we have black people that cohabitate and live Mm -hmm. in the same areas we don't have communities so without that you you're not going to build an army you're not going to build a movement when there's no unity within that movement you're going to get what we have and what we continue to see is this person this faction has this belief. This faction has this belief. This faction has this belief. But there's no unity between all these different organizations. No
3: commonality.
0: Right, right, right. They
3: don't come together on any one thing. And just to rewind back a little bit when we was talking about the education and how we get taught about slavery, well, the truth of the matter is that is only a minute part of our history. Mm-hmm. And we let the school system teach us our history. However, if you actually start to go study for yourself, your history what you will find out is, a majority of African Americans in America are not even African. We're we've been here for a long, long time before Christopher Columbus and all the explorers and stuff got over here. We were what were considered then the Indians. We're the aborigines. We, we are the aboriginal indigenous people. So here we have this narrative where we were being taught our history starting at slavery, way after you know the settlers came and they started taking over and stuff and we don't even teach our kids we don't our our majority of us don't even know that is way deeper and further back than that like we've been here we've been established we just lost our our tribes because some of us might have been Cherokee some of us might have been Blackfoot you I mean we've always as a people had our differences as far as looks whether we were light skin dark skin hair textures none of that ever mattered because, again, there were tribes. We let that affect us now because that's the narrative that entertainment has given us to uh, convey on each other. We so distracted by, again, the little things that we can't even focus on the, the bigger picture. It's not about what you look like. It's about, well, are you aware that you even know that you, you're not from slaves? Right. You you are not from slaves. That is the narrative that there. As long as Black people continue to push that narrative about slavery, we ain't never gonna get over our dump that we need to get
1: over.
0: And the reason that's taught is because the person who wins the war tells the history. Mm-hmm. So when you win the war, you are the ones who are writing the history books. So you're never gonna. And tell anything to empower a people. Right. And that's why I was listening to uh, a post from a guy, I can't remember who he was, but either way, he was saying, essentially, the reason that there tends to be an apathy in school students, primarily black school students with history, is because we don't see ourselves in it. Nothing identifiable. Other, other right. than our history beginning with slavery. slavery. And so when you see, your, see, when you see yourself coming from a weakened individual, then you start to see yourself as weak. That's all I can become. All I know is I'm weak and this is my history as a slave and I came from the slave master, or I should respect and honor the slave master. That's that's the history that we're taught in a nutshell from where we started. Uh, I was looking at a post this morning. There was uh, some teacher, I can't remember uh, what state it was in, but she is suing the school system for what she calls reverse racism. She taught in a school that is predominantly black and she was teaching them about slavery and what it felt like to be a slave. Uh, I think it was an uh, elementary school. Um, so she had her students um, sit huddled up side by side each other so they could feel the close quarters that the slaves felt. And then the students were like, well, it doesn't feel bad. Then she had them, well, according to the story, uh, had them roll on their stomach and she put their foot on, put their, foot on their backs and she said <laughs> well, what about now do you feel like it's late now and so they fired her and she's suing the school for reverse racism like $12 million some insane amounts like well you don't even make that much in your whole right. teaching career why are you suing but either way uh, that just shows you that's a prime example a small example of the history that is taught to our students right. this is all you can aspire to this is where you come from but nobody talks about before the slave ship before the Mayflower actually that's one of, that's a great book to read uh, LaRone yeah. Bennett Before the Mayflower and another one's called uh, Stolen Legacy Uh, I can't remember the author of that one, but two great books to read that really talk about our history Mm -hmm. prior to the history that we're taught. In essence, we are the uh, kings and queens. We were the ones who uh, humanized uh, Europeans. We were conducting trade with them because Africa was one of the uh, richest continents. I mean, we were the richest people, the land of plenty. So if if you teach kids that history, imagine how empowering that would be to know that you come from kings, queens, land of money, because now I see it. I know I can aspire to that. I can aspire to be what is in essence me to begin with.
1: Right.
3: Well, I mean, you just have to look at the school system as an indoctrination plan. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to get a real accurate truth from schooling. They're going to repaint their history and make Killers and murderers and these the heroes. That's what white supremacy does. It it turns things backwards. So bad is uh, good is bad and bad bad is good. good. Vice versa. You know. So you you cannot rely on the school system to make a confident black child.
0: Oh, of course. And you should you should never rely on. Anything else to any other force, any other teacher, any other whatever to empower your child? You have to do that within your home. But like we said, a lot of us uh, in the black community, we don't even know our history in order to be able to teach our kids their history properly. And for a lot of us, that's really the only mechanism we have for educating our children is to send them to uh, the school system, especially when I, yeah, and church, especially when I. Especially when I look at some of the some of the parents, I'm like, shit, your child would be better off in the public school system because you ain't gonna be able to teach them nothing. So,
3: like you, you can quote a Bible verse, but you don't know how to
0: count yet. How yeah, yeah. And I, how I do you
3: know how to quote a Bible verse, but
0: you don't know your ABC? Yeah, yeah. It's just because they're quoting
2: pastors and not Bible verses. Um, right. A lot of and that's it's a dual frustration as someone who um, believes that like education is. A way, but proper education is right. a way to kind of liberate ourselves, but then also with the understanding that the majority of our people don't read.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Unfortunately.
2: It's like a cliche. It's a reason, like some of these nuanced sayings come from somewhere. If you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that goes back to slavery. And to your point about teaching about Africa and the diaspora, most of us can't trace our tribe. Um, So we're just taught we come from Africa. Africa. That's a huge continent. Um, And so there's already a disconnect, and even that disconnect was by design. When slaves were bought here, you were stripped of your name, your language, your identity, and forced to assimilate. And we still have that assimilation mentality where we strive to be like our oppressor. Um, And so I think that in addition to teaching about Africa and the diaspora, excuse me, we have to teach about the resiliency of the the, even the enslaved African person, um, because African Americans, a person from uh, of African descent born in America, um, they were a resilient people, and that's not taught. It's just taught we were whipped, we were beat, and then the Civil War happened, where a bunch of white people and abolitionists joined forces to to free us, and that's that's not the case either. Mm-hmm. Slavery was, or the, the Civil War was an economic fight; it had nothing to do with trying to free slaves. So that narrative, and to your point about racism. We don't have media power. So we don't have control of our own images
3: edits. or anything. Yeah.
2: We don't control, um, we don't have media power. So what's being pumped into our children's heads are essentially like, even that is controlled by white supremacy mm-hmm. um, down to. Like hip-hop is a trillion dollar industry um, a multi like million dollars That's all controlled by all of the record executives um are white or in or jewish people mm-hmm. so we don't even control our voices in a literal sense we have no control over our own narrative the media is one of the most racist power structures
0: of course of course because if i control if i control the media if i control what you see if i control what you hear then i control you because all you have to do is uh, program.
1: To program somebody yeah. mm-hmm.
0: you can just repeatedly show them the same images over and over again just even on a simplistic level there's plenty of songs that I've listened to and y'all can <laughs> attest to the same thing here over and over again like damn I hate this song I hate this song and then Next two weeks later singing I'm singing it. It. I'm like, Why yeah. am I singing this song and I can't stop
2: and you have program. to listen to like what messages Are being put out there, and what effect does that have? Like, I worked in the public school system, bless your heart, (laughs) um, and at Title One schools, so I taught majority Black and Brown students my entire teaching career. And I would see, like, I remember specifically, um, a student came, high school student, passed out in the middle of the hallway, um, like literally fainted in the middle of the hallway. And they were like, "Oh, it's his birthday. Um, He' rolling on those pills." And I, and it's like they're laughing and playing, but it's we have normalized chaos. Um, yes. And if you, yes. if you think about what's going into our heads, Percocet, Molly Percocet, and it's like it becomes more and more enticing where you're being introduced to things you never would have even heard of through music in the media and mass media. If you look at the perception of the black woman and then look at shows like Love and Hip Hop and Basketball Wise, and you wonder why the angry black woman is still a stereotype.
1: Mm-hmm. Some yeah.
2: countries have not been exposed to. African American people, and that is what they're seeing, and that's their perception. When you have these media outlets that stream um, and introduce those concepts to hundreds of thousands and millions of people across the world, Right. and so in in essence, we become our own worst enemies um, when we allow those those media images and tropes to be perpetuated.
3: Well, this is the thing: we cannot take entertainment at face value. Right. You could go watch a movie in the movie theater today, and people just want to escape. Mm -hmm. So they watch this stuff, and they're not looking at the meaning behind it. Um, Most of these movies and shows that you see on TV, they are pumping the inferiority complex into us, and we don't even see it. Mm -hmm. we just sitting back just trying to use escapism to get away just for a little while, just for entertainment purposes. Entertainment is not just entertainment.
0: No, especially in today's time. There's always a a meaning and underlying message behind mm-hmm. even entertainment uh we look at music movies uh you know one of the big things i've noticed over the past probably 10 15 years in terms of music and uh, movies uh or well, two things actually is the the agenda to two agendas uh homosexuality and interracial dating um, and that's there, reasons...
2: Get you a foreign. That's been the, the message. Get you <laughs> <Exactly>. a foreign.
0: <laughs> exactly. Because, and we've had that topic on here, too, about interracial dating. And you know, it's It tears
3: us apart. We can't talk about it because you're, you're never going to disagree with people on that because you already got people that's so gone that they don't see what's wrong with her. Or people, you know, you're just not going to agree about stuff like that with most people, especially when you're talking amongst black people. You ain't going to get no agreements on that because you already got the agenda push where... We are supposed to support and love these people because they have the same struggle as you. Never, ever in the history of black people's lives has their struggle been the same as a pedophile or a gay person. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Uh, so you're a black gay person. Which comes first to you, gay or black? Mm-hmm. That people want to not even identify with being black so bad they'll take on any other title that they can, just not have to identify with black. So you you rather... Take on on the identity of being gay or the identity of being uh, biracial or the identity of being a man when you're a woman. Anything to escape racism. Anything.
0: Nobody wants to play for the losing team. Nobody wants to play for the losing team.
2: I got to play devil's advocate to that, though. Um, I think that that is also like part of the... Divisiveness in our communities is that we do make those distinctions between black gay man when a black gay man is still a black man, right? That's what I'm Um, saying. And I don't think that's additional, like, we're complex people, so I identify as a black educated woman. I'm still adding educators and I disassociate my identity. Um, it's just another layer of identity, another layer to my identity. Um, black is, a, is I can't, I'm never going to escape being. It's a
3: monomer though, because what is black? You can't even sit and talk to a black person about what is black because we are going to disagree on that.
2: Well, I think but shouldn't um, we? Um, I don't think that you I think we're such a diverse and complex people. You can't box in what it means to be black. into one definitive identity, we can have common struggles. I think that the commonality between black people in this country is that we are viewed. um, We're all subjected to racism. Right. Um, That is the commonality. And what that looks like for us can be different. If you're like, I think Jay-Z said it best, like, Rich nigga, poor nigga, still nigga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're still viewed the same no matter how much money you have, et cetera. Um, and still subject to the same treatment treatment yeah and so i think if we can agree on that commonality then everything else is you that's can be the only
3: thing we need
2: yeah, you can be black queer you can be black whatever that's just another layer of your identity but you're leading with black which means we are united on that same commonality that we're subject to a racist system
0: exactly and even with that and i completely agree um you know because we have more in common than our differences it's just that the differences continually are perpetuated through mass media through mm-hmm. news outlets through you know anything you see they're focusing it's a divisive tactic and you know that's one of the arts of war divide conquer you know you fo- get them to focus on the differences uh, rather than the commonalities and then watch them tear themselves apart mm-hmm. but if we focus on the thing the millions of things that we have in common who cares if we have differences? We're always going to have differences. I mean, even in our historical tribes, there were differences. That's why they had wars. But you had your war, you fought it out, and that was that. You got yours, I got mine. But we still, if we have a common enemy, we still we're still coming together. And that's the piece that we're missing. Black. There's a lot of uh, people, a lot of black people who um, they don't even they won't even identify or don't even want to identify with being pro-black. You know, I know, uh, and I've heard uh, women say this, and men as well, um, you know, they, they don't want to date, you know, a dark-skinned man or a dark-skinned woman. You know, you have that, that what they don't realize is that perpetuated self-hate. How can you mm-hmm. dislike, how can you not want to, and these are, you know, dark-skinned people I'm referring to specifically, right. um, you know, how can you not want to deal with something or mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, engage with someone who looks like you? So what does that well, say? Like about your mama. You?
3: Looks right. Like your grandma, your granddaddy. How right,
0: you right, right, right. So, you know, in that, again, we're getting back to this topic of, of racism. <laughs> All this is tied into that topic because these are behaviors that have been taught and programmed. And that is this part of what we call a, a system, uh, programming is part of this system of, uh, of racism. When you can control someone's thinking through what they see, through what they hear, you control their talk, you, you start to control how they talk. You start to control how they think. Um, there was, a, and I always use this example um, when you think about X Men, uh, the movie X Men. You know, one of the most powerful characters on there was the Professor. Now mm-hmm. you're talking about a paraplegic here. When you have all these you know muscle bound uh, creatures, you know men, women, or whoever, the most powerful one on that show was the paraplegic because he didn't have to lift a finger. He controlled what mind. your what your mind thought and we control somebody's mind you control their body and we can and when you control that person they'll start to control the next and the next and the next that's how uh, slavery worked on the plantation
2: mm-hmm. it's mental control yes yeah, control you control the the mind break the body exactly. and essentially they so that the body could be used you needed control of the mind so that you could use the body however you saw fit right um it's the reason why like even today they focus more on the physicality of the black male than the intellect of the black man. Um, LeBron James being a perfect example, he is a very intelligent and business savvy individual. Um, but the focus is always going to be on his physicality one because of his profession, but two by design, um, the emphasis has always been on the use of our bodies as a, and it's while we couldn't learn to read or write. It was illegal to teach a slave to read and write. Um, because of the fact that knowledge and awareness is the idea of you don't know what you don't know and once you know better essentially natural innate is to do better Mm
0: -hmm. yeah exactly and that's why uh the mind is one of the most powerful tools that we have that's why we have to continue to use that and not let it be controlled and indoctrinated with all these images that we we see of us on the media um you know in terms of racism you know going back to uh, claude anderson i remember reading his book and he defined racism uh, in its historical context is basically a race a race to resources a race to get the most have the most power and that's what we're dealing with here when we're talking about racism we're not talking about uh, uh, the prejudice in a simplistic form we're talking about power and resources that's really what it comes down to everyone else seems to recognize how powerful the black person is except for the black person in general and that's by design when you don't recognize that you're a powerful individual, you see yourself as a weak individual. And when you see yourself as weak, you limit your um, your achievement ability. You, you limit yourself on what you can accomplish. But you have to look at yourself. You allow
3: yourself to
0: be used. Yeah, you allow mm-hmm. yourself to be used when you don't see the power in yourself. One of the most dangerous uh One of the most dangerous uh, creatures in America, one of the most dangerous types of people in America is an educated black man or educated black woman who knows themselves. Because when you have a strong mind and when you know your history, no one else can control you. Mm -hmm. You can navigate through all the circumstances that we have to deal with in this society. You can navigate through the racism, the prejudice, and all that because you know that you hold the power. But one of the reasons this whole thing of racism gets pumped and pumped and pumped into our systems, the watered down version is because they want us to be a weaker generation. Oh, oh, go ahead. ahead.
3: Well, I just wanted to give this gem as far as, I know the conversation on racism seems pretty grim, but on a micro level as individuals, um, we do have the power on a daily basis to determine how we deal within the microcosm of racism. Mm -hmm. So um, we shouldn't get ourselves down on the fact that racism does exist. What we should do is the very opposite which is be um, hopeful and optimistic and more um, useful in making sure that justice persists
0: we have to be strategic and we have to be intentional with all of our moves right um a lot of us and i I always go back to the example of walking dead you know we're walking zombies we're not using our minds we're using a very small percentage of it um we have to be intentional with what we are trying to accomplish you know going back to your point rika you know when we say we want justice and peace what are the action steps that we're going to take to, uh, to make sure that we have that, to make sure that our future generations don't have to deal with the same struggles and issues that we deal with? So everything that we do should have intention and meaning behind it, because otherwise you're just wasting your time, you're wasting your energy. It's like dealing with a, um, dealing with a child who's whining for a toy. Okay, you're going to cry and cry and cry, but at the end of the day, I know, you know you'll be all cried out and then you go back to doing what you were doing before. That's typically how we are dealt with, in, you know when we do these marches and protests and, and all of that. But um, in order to really kind of reverse this uh, um, this continued racism that we see, uh, we have to have a game plan. We have to follow a game plan. There's there's you know people have laid plans out for years. I mean, some of our great leaders, you know, Garvey X, um, you know, they've laid out plans. We have to be intentional. And get back to using our minds to the fullest capacity because that's the only way that we can navigate out the waters that we're in.
2: Yeah, and we have to define like when we say we want justice, what does that look like? Because right, um, right. it's hard to follow a road map when you don't know what the destination is. Right. Um, and so I think it's a matter of defining like what is it that we want? What do we need um, mm-hmm. when we say we want justice? When we want equality. Um, I personally think that what we need is equity and the difference between the two is equality means everybody gets the same thing Mm -hmm. equity means everybody gets what they need so we don't need the same things that like non-people of color need Mm -hmm. we need Mm -hmm. equity the people who need it the most Mm -hmm. get the most help right and so um, I think it's like when we design a roadmap is is not just like oh here's a blueprint and action steps but like what does the final destination look like and and where are we headed mm-hmm. um and then with road signs to look for so i think about excuse me like the black panther party they couldn't have predicted what coin tell pro would have done to destroy their plans they had clear plans action steps um but they, we also need to be aware of like what, what's to come, what are the signs, um, potential dangers and hazards. So when you think about like the mass media, say what you will about Bill Cosby, the man, but Bill Cosby as a creator had, was very intentional and specific on the messaging that he was putting into, or wanting to put into black America. Um, the structured family household where you saw black excellence of a doctor, and then with the mother was a lawyer, and, and the children, Um, And then you had an extension of that was a different world where the black college was promoted. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the idea of like young black educated and professional individuals. Um, And so teaching people about not just where we're going, but like what we are probably gonna encounter on the way Mm -hmm. um you have so many young girls who are uh, like striving to be basketball wives real housewives of xyz i want to be an instagram model um and so we need to also be promoting like self-awareness and consciousness um self-esteem those types of things into it's like anytime you're sending if we look at our communities our neighborhoods and the people in them as soldiers um because it's going to be a fight it's going to be a, a, a battle to reach that final destination and so when anytime you're sending an individual into a battle you have to start preparing your soldiers and that means mentally physically spiritually um and also being aware of like potential danger points and i think when you, when you're dealing with mass media when you're dealing with internalized racism like those are potential hazards. Um, the battle and you have to prepare we have to prepare ourselves for that
3: right you says all you have to do is study history
0: Cause yeah because it repeats
3: ten- itself continues mm-hmm. to repeat itself we know just like well i wouldn't say that we know all we have to do is study how racism white supremacy works what we've done before and refine it just like they refine their mm-hmm. racism you have to refine how we react how mm-hmm. we go forward that's all it really is but again we don't read up we don't study we take everything they say at face value so we always gonna fail on that forefront
2: right and that's i was watching the interview um and saraji p henson said it she's like starting a non-profit um for mental health And you spoke to like us having to use our minds more, Um, but we don't treat our mind like we treat our body. We don't treat the the mind as as a muscle, as a part of the body. Um, We'll go get routine checkups, things of that nature. But we have such a stigma about like doing things to mentally um, grow our capacity and Treat our mind. Going to see psychologists, going to see therapists, and things of that nature. So, in addition to, if we're telling people to use their mind, we have to treat it and take care of it like any other part of the body.
0: Right, right. Of course, of course. um Yeah, definitely good game chopping that up today. Uh, I know we're kind of coming up on time, but um this is one of those topics where we can, you know, talk for. I need five days. more hours. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, can, we can talk for days and days on this, uh, especially in terms of the strategies and the action steps. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's always going to be more to come on this topic But I um, wanted to see if um, Anybody got any Contact info Or any information on how to reach you well. Actually, some of, the, uh, some of the books that we Recommended too, if y'all could uh, kind of Rehash those again for people that are listening To kind of catch up on it
3: Yeah, uh, Dr. I didn't get to mention her name Dr. Frances Cress Wesley, um, the ISIS papers Mm-mm. Must read Nellie um, uh, Fuller the compensatory uh, compensation book. He has two of those. Um, one is for the language. The other is for the comp- compensatory reactions to whatever happens. Um, you recommended some books earlier. Yeah,
0: Powernomics by Claude Anderson. Uh, Before the Mayflower. LaRone Bennett um, and uh, Stolen Legacy. I can't remember the author of that one, but those are definitely three books I recommend.
2: Um, I just have two. Coming into college, we were made to read The Miseducation of the Negro, Carter G. Woodson. Yep. It's a game changer. Um, and most recently, I've been delving into Michelle Alexander, um, The New Jim Crow. New Jim Crow. Yeah, yeah that's
0: I got good to one. that one. Yeah, that's, that's, on that's, that's on my list. That's on my list. So I just want to close it out. Oh, um, black
2: authors, by the way. Of course.
0: <laughs> what else would you expect? <laughs>
2: oh, another good one. Um, Yan Levinson's thought therapy for healing the heart stuff is It okay. gives you like affirmations and, and talks about the brain as a muscle and how we are conditioned to like focus on negatives and how to how to start to change our way of thinking and change mm-hmm. our, our mental health.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, definitely. So we got plenty of knowledge out there. We got to get back to reading, folks. Got to get back to reading and working that mental muscle that we call the brain, most powerful tool that we have. So don't let it go to waste. Uh, as always, this is your man, Ernest, a.k.a. Mr. No Excuses. Uh, let me go around, because I want y'all to give y'all contact information as well.
3: You just want me to promote my cakes, don't you? <laughs> well,
0: hey, if you're looking for some red velvet and carry cake, now that's the best one to what? go to. What? Yes.
3: Yeah. So, nitasweets.com at, at, what is it? Lord have mercy. I'm going to just give my personal email address. So, Janita, J E N N I T A dot Wilkerson, W I L K E R S O N, at gmail.com. You can email me about the cakes. I also do natural hair care on the side.
2: So, either or, I'm here from your girl. Kate's (laughs) Kate's in here. good with my hands. I'm on every social media platform Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's Rika Pesos, R I K A P E S O S. All
0: right. And uh, for those who are looking to be a guest on the show potentially, uh, you can reach us, send us an email, hidden 704 at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at uh, hidden Truth 704 on all those platforms. Uh, As always, much love to everyone that's listening, even those that aren't listening. Um, Stay up, kings and queens. Much
1: love.